Welcome to the Smart Weight Loss Coaching Podcast. I'm Dr. Lisa Olson, a board-certified weight loss medicine specialist and certified life coach. In this podcast, I'll share fresh insights and effective techniques for incorporating mindset, habit change, and proven science into your life. Are you ready to achieve sustainable weight loss, wellness, and longevity? Then let's jump in and lose weight the smart way. Today, we're going to discuss binge eating disorder, the most common eating disorder. It's even more common than anorexia or bulimia, which might be more familiar to you. About 3% of adults in the United States have BED, or binge eating disorder, and that number is even higher if we look specifically at people who carry excess weight. Have you heard of BED? Or do you wonder if you or someone you love has it? Many people that I work with who struggle with binge eating do so very privately because they experience shame and embarrassment about their symptoms. I can relate to this because I have a history of binge eating disorder myself, although it's been in remission for decades. Even so, I find myself a little bingey on rare occasions, which keeps me humble and drives my compassion for those who struggle with this disease. So what's the difference between binge eating disorder and overeating? I'm going to give you an example from when I was a teenager. I used to binge on a Little Debbie snack food called Star Crunches. I haven't had these since I was a teen, so I decided to look them up online to get a description of them for you. To my horror, not only are these still on the market, but I was immediately invited to sign up for the Little Debbie snack food newsletter. <laughs> Yikes, as if any of us need that popping up into our inbox. Star Crunches are essentially a cookie covered in caramel, Rice Krispies, and chocolate. Looking over the ingredient list, it's a toxic chemical bomb of ultra-processed ingredients and more than six spoonfuls of sugar in each serving. It's what I call a nana flip, a non-nutritive food-like product. We can eat it, but it's barely even food. So as a teenager, binging on a box of these Star Crunch cookies involved me secretly buying them and hiding them, then eating one while vowing to only eat one. Then I'd eat a second and a third, starting to hate myself for this terrible lack of self-control. I wouldn't necessarily eat the entire box in one sitting, but could easily do so over the course of a day or maybe a weekend. I felt defeated embarrassed, and ashamed at my inability to stop, despite wanting desperately to quit opening the next individually wrapped cookie. It felt like a runaway train that I had no control to stop. I'd quit eating only when I was uncomfortably full and emotionally miserable. This is pretty typical for how a binge feels for someone with this disorder. Sometimes people will go from food to food, eating one thing after another, because nothing quite scratches the itch. In that case, a binge may end because a person feels she can literally not eat another bite without getting sick, or sometimes because there is no more bingeable food. 
Even now, many years later, with my own binge eating resolved, it stings a bit to remember how I used to chastise myself for being weak-willed, not understanding that what I had was actually an eating disorder, not a personality flaw. I wasn't broken or completely lacking in willpower. I was merely struggling in silence, unaware that this wasn't my fault. This is what I see with so many of my clients who have binge eating disorder. There is a ton of self-blame and shame involved. The good news for me is that my binge eating disorder resolved a long time ago. And for most people, there is a natural end to it. The struggle typically doesn't continue indefinitely. There's an average duration of four to eight years before it starts to fizzle out. But who wants to deal with binging for years? No, thank you. For those of you worried about your own binge eating, there is treatment available. But before we get to that, perhaps I should back up and define more clearly what exactly is binge eating disorder. People with BED consume a large amount of food for the situation accompanied by a sense of lack of control. This is really different from overeating at Thanksgiving dinner. During a binge, people often eat rapidly to a point of uncomfortable fullness, and they may do this when they're not actually hungry. In addition, people with BED often consume these large amounts of food alone to avoid embarrassment, and they feel disgusted, depressed, or guilty after the eating event. This distress over the binging episodes is a key component to the diagnosis. I've worked with clients who binge but have no distress around it. That's really rare, but that is not binge eating disorder. To meet the diagnostic criteria, this uncontrolled binging and distress over it has to happen with some frequency. We say once a week or so for three months. Many of the people I work with find themselves binging daily, which can become an incredibly disruptive event, almost a binging habit. In this case, it can feel like it takes over a person's life, and often people are doing this for years before they seek help. People with BED have a higher rate of other physical and mental health challenges. We see more depression, anxiety, substance use, diabetes, high blood pressure, and pain syndromes like chronic headaches. As you might expect, BED is correlated with a higher likelihood of carrying excess weight, though I've certainly treated many people with BED whose weight was normal. The exact causes of binge eating disorder aren't known, but genetics, family history, long-term dieting, and psychological issues increase the risk of this disorder. We see it more often in women, but it definitely occurs in men too, and the age of onset is most commonly in the teens and 20s. One of the first theories of binge eating, the restraint model, explains binge eating as originating from body shape and weight concerns, which lead to dietary restraint or restricting of food. The restriction is then followed by binging and further followed by an ongoing cycle of restraint and binge, restraint and binge. We know from the research that restricting food is often a trigger for a binge, so one behavioral approach to treat binge eating involves not allowing too much time to pass without eating something. In other words, we eat by the clock every three or four hours. Two newer models to explain binge eating are the affect regulation model and the escape theory. 
Affect regulation describes binge eating as a distracting coping mechanism used to reduce negative feelings. In other words, we feel sad or frustrated or hurt, and we use food to distract us or temporarily neutralize these negative feelings. The problem is the relief is fleeting and the negative feelings quickly return, now accompanied by remorse about the binging. So binging ends up amplifying the negative feelings it was meant to buffer against. The escape theory explains binge eating as a strategy used to avoid self-awareness and redirect attention toward the binge eating instead of addressing the stressors. This occurs in an effort to avoid one's own feelings and thoughts and instead focus the intention on the action at hand, which is the experience of binging. Whatever the underlying psychological explanation, the good news is that there are effective treatments for binge eating disorder. The American Psychological Association and the National Institute for Health and Care Excellence recommend both therapist-led and self-help forms of cognitive behavioral therapy for treating the behavioral and psychological symptoms of the disorder. This is the first-line approach cognitive behavioral therapy. Alternative options include interpersonal therapy and dialectical behavioral therapy. It's not one size fits all. According to the research, cognitive behavioral therapy, also called CBT, CBT-based approaches are considered the most effective intervention for BED. But we also have success with other methods of treatment, including behavioral weight loss interventions, and medication. While CBT is often recommended as first-line treatment, it may not be successful at achieving weight loss. The binging may decrease, but the weight can stay stable or go up. Behavioral weight loss interventions have a moderate effect on binge eating frequency and weight loss. In one randomized controlled trial of 125 participants with both excess weight, and binge eating disorder, the amount of weight loss was significantly greater among those who received behavioral weight loss interventions compared to CBT alone or CBT combined with the behavioral weight loss interventions. But binge eating frequency was reduced six to 12 months later at follow-up in the CBT group compared to just the behavioral intervention group alone. So behavioral weight loss intervention can improve weight in binge eating disorder and help a bit with binging, but we still need to figure out what is the best long-term approach to reduce binging, reduce weight, and keep both of those controlled over the long-term. In 2015, the first and only medication for treating binge eating disorder in adults was approved by the FDA. It's called Lisdexamphetamine, or the brand name Vyvanse, V-Y-V-A-N-S-E, in case you want to write that down. There are also many other medications that can be used off-label to successfully treat binging. As always, keep in mind that although I am a doctor, I'm not your doctor. So I encourage you to reach out to your primary care provider, a board-certified obesity medicine specialist, or a mental health professional in order to discuss whether or not medication for BED 
in conjunction with an intensive behavioral weight loss program, or CBT, might be right for you. Sometimes simply knowing that there are skills and strategies that you can use to avoid a binge or to interrupt one is enough to provide hope. Did you catch that? I'll say it again because it's really important. You can prevent and you can also interrupt a binge. Sometimes it doesn't feel that way, but it is possible. And like everything, you get good at what you practice. Of course, working with a therapist or a physician who specializes in binge eating or doing a self-directed CBT workbook to guide you makes all the difference. Here are five strategies to prevent a binge. Number one, follow a prescribed pattern of regular eating. If you go too long between meals and find yourself overly hungry, you're much more vulnerable to binge. After three to four hours, that's a reasonable window to have your next snack or a meal. Number two, notice your triggers. In addition to hunger, other binging triggers may be emotions like boredom, frustration, or loneliness. Work on managing your stress and raising your awareness of feelings or situations that are likely to trigger a binge. For some people, a trigger is time of day usually late at night or perhaps late in the afternoon. Number three, don't make it easy to binge. If you're like me, you may have a certain food that can make you feel bingy. Vanilla ice cream still does that for me, so one easy way to avoid binging is to simply keep ice cream out of my house. If I want ice cream, it's not forbidden, but to reduce the risk of a binge, I'll simply go to an ice cream shop for a scoop of ice cream rather than keeping ice cream available at home. And number four, speaking of ice cream, my fourth strategy is to avoid restricting foods. I often see clients binge after restricting. They may show me a food tracker that looks like perfection. And interestingly, that's the problem. If what you're eating is overly regulated and you're not eating enough because you're trying to lose weight, something's going to blow. It's like pushing a beach ball under the water. You can push it down and hold it under, but eventually it's going to pop up. So loosen up a bit and eat enough not to be overly hungry. Allow an occasional planned splurge or a little pleasure snack. Little modest treats can go a long way toward preventing a feeling of deprivation that can trigger a binge. People are often afraid to add in little treats. It feels opposite of what they've always done for weight loss. But I'm serious when I say planning a little piece of chocolate every evening might be just what you need to reduce binging and will ultimately help with weight loss. And strategy number five, Find your people. We all do better with support. In addition to talking with a professional or perhaps trying a self-directed CBT program, consider joining a group for support and encouragement. It's been proven to be an effective intervention for both weight loss and binge eating. I want you to know that you're not alone and you're not broken Binge eating disorder is a treatable condition and will likely resolve over time. And if you're struggling with excess weight, contrary to what you may have heard, weight loss is possible for you, even if you have binge eating disorder. 
Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like more support during your smart weight loss journey, check out our group coaching program at smartweightlosscoaching.com. Until next time, stay well and stay smart.